The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host DK and today Lou is now with me. We're going old school back to when it was just me. Do y'all re- Are y'all fans enough of the show to remember when it was just me for a little while? Well, we're back to it. So that means this episode may be a little bit shorter. Um, there's also going to be less pushback, which means I can say whatever I want and nobody can tell me otherwise, which is <laughs> dangerous <laughs> at the very least. Um, but today's episode is going to be very simple, very practical, something I've been thinking about. Um, in the earlier version of the show, it was more obvious that it was like this. It still has the underlying tone of this, but one of the main purposes of the show from the beginning was to kind of be a journal, an audio journal of my progress through my career. So things that I'm learning currently, things that are important to me right now, um, things that are changing, what I hope changes, uh, things that I see in myself. And that way, when I look back at older episodes, I can see the progress that I've made or if I ever show my children or grandchildren or they discover my podcast, then they too can not just learn obvious tips and techniques, but can kind of also see the progress of my career. So if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, um, you'll notice that my career has shifted in some ways very subtly and has shifted in some ways incredibly. When we first started, I was in Utah, for example, and now we are in Los Angeles. And when I first started, I had some work. Now it's it's um, we're getting into some label stuff, which is which is a totally different game. I want to, and I want everybody who's listening as well as for myself to showcase, you know, the different thought process. There's been times where I've been extremely arrogant, um, more than just always, you know, above baseline. <laughs> and there's been times where um, I've been very well thoughtful and um, surprisingly so many times. Today's episode is going to be fairly practical, something that we've talked about in the past, but I want to reemphasize. One of the things that I'm going through currently is I'm going through the decision of whether or not I want to redesign my studio. I have a big desk with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, times through 24U of rack right in front of me, 24 rack spaces, 24U. And then I have my monitor behind that and my speakers on, on stands on the back end of the desk. And I love this setup. And if you've ever seen my Instagram, then you know what it looks like currently. And, uh, I love it, but I've been seeing a trend here in Los Angeles and something that I got on before I got this big desk. And I was trying out for about a year was the minimalist small desk setup, something that um, 
I still see more and more people converting to, which is the concept of one, having a little bit less gear or moving it off to the side out of the way and having just a plain desk with a minimalist feel, just a computer monitor, mouse and keyboard, maybe a monitor controller, just super simple. And I, I personally dig that aesthetic. I think it comes off for me. I see it as I love the minimalist type elegant. I think there's like, I love the, uh, you know, the traditionally Japanese elegance, which is more simplified and less cluttered. I, I do like that. And it feels a little bit more Zen, you know, maybe cozy, whatever words you want to use that are trending right now. But um, I'm deciding whether or not to go back and do that again. The And as I've been trying to consider redesigning my studio, there's a few concepts that I want to bring up. In past episodes, Lou and I have brought up many times that a trip to Ikea may make you more money than a trip to Sweetwater or to Guitar Center. The reason why this is important is, unfortunately, whether or not you like it, I find, through observation as well as personal experience, that looking like you know what you're doing is almost as important, if not more important, than actually knowing what you're doing. Now, obviously, both parts of that are extremely important. But if you know what you're doing, but you don't look like you do, you don't get a first shot. You might be able to keep, uh, once you get a shot, you might be able to keep those clients for a long time and you become everybody's best kept secret. But you don't want to be everybody's best kept secret. You want to be someone that's well known to do good work. And how are you to get more first-time uh, first customers or clients if you don't look like you know what you're doing? And I hate that. Like This is a part of humanity, the part of human nature you know, that is unfortunate, difficult, but uh, can be empowering and used, used to help you build clientele, especially if your studio is something that you show on social media quite often, um, or more likely you are into recording and producer where clients come into the studio. Even if you don't post it that much, I mean, mixers, mixing and mastering engineers, typically, uh, depending if you're, if it's not a big studio, there's no real big need to show your space. But if you're planning on showing your space, if you're planning on, um, uh, making content, or if you are again, bringing in clients for recording and producing, looking, looking like you know what you're doing is very important. And again, even if you're just making silly little YouTube videos with the goal of making money off of YouTube rather than from recording or mixing or whatever, again, looking and looking like you know what you're doing is very important. We see this in YouTube all the time. Videos that look very professional, edited very well, for some reason, people tend to trust them a little bit more. Um, and and uh, again, regardless of not or regardless of whether or not that's good, that's just reality. So there's a few different things that I want you to consider as a listener to help clean up your space. And part of the cleaning up your space is not just for the clients and to help potentially make it look like you know what you're doing, but also for your own personal uh, mental decluttering as creatives who are typically high in openness. Um, as much as we can, the more that we declutter, the more... Um, the more that we're, we have to create the space to create and think. So I want to, to be creative. So I, I have made a list of a few things that I think everybody should be doing from time to time and things that I do from time to time um, that can 
for very little or for free, revamp the space, make you look a little bit more professional and things that matter um, on a day-to-day basis. So number one, how often do you clean up vacuum you know, uh, vacuum your studio, <laughs> clean up your studio, take out the trash, throw stuff away. I'm a huge fan of like, kind of like the Maria Kondo. Does this spark joy? Does this item make you happy? If not throw it away, even with my kids toys, I'm, I'm kind of brutal in the sense that if I don't see them playing with it often, or if I see them throwing it around the room, I will throw it away. If they, if they don't touch it for a long time, I will watch if they haven't played with it in a year in a month or in a, even a couple weeks. Or if things are broken or left on the floor, I will throw it away. I will definitely throw away. I am, if my children get sad, and this is something where I don't want to use the word entitlement, I don't think, but I have the uh, the relative flexibility where I'm willing to throw things away. And if I really need it in the future, I'm willing to go on Amazon and pay the 10 to 40 bucks or whatever it is to buy it again, if I really need it. And obviously it's different for more expensive items, but I want to throw it away. The, the idea is, I mean, I've even heard concepts as far as like, if you have stuff in storage and you haven't even opened it and looked at it for years, like don't even open it again, just throw it away. Just let it go. The more space that you have, the more open the room feels and obviously the more professional you, you want. I've even, this is really potentially judgmental, but again, um, I want to, I want to, this is just kind of part of human nature. And I want to emphasize that it makes very little effect practically, but it can showcase that, um, your priorities and your values, things like I've even heard people say something like this, not myself, but I've heard others comment and say to my car, DK, I can tell that you take care of your stuff, um, that you, you know, um, have your shit together because your car is clean. And I know that's like really stupid. That's really stupid. Um, but at the same time, there is some level of PR that goes into keeping your car clean and someone seeing that, especially when you have two young kids. It's hard to keep your car clean and it's there's some effort that I put. I find personal joy with it. I'm not naturally a clean person at all, but I'm finding more joy in keeping a clean home and a clean office every day. The amount of hours we spend every week just cleaning up the house after the kids is pretty crazy. But if I'm able to keep my house clean, my office clean, my car clean with kids, relatively speaking, it's not all the time. There are going to be moments if you catch me off guard, it will not be clean. Um, but if you keep your things clean, then that will actually go towards a personal brand and will also help you in your mental health, um, keep a clear mind. So there's a lot of benefits to that, obviously. So go ahead and vacuum that studio, clean space up, throw things away. And for a lot of people, if your studio room is bright pink or bright purple or like mint green, like my shirt that I'm wearing right now, if you're watching on YouTube, you need to paint that shit. Oh my goodness. That is so gaudy. It's so gaudy. Uh, please stop. Paint it like a normal ass color, even if it's more subdued color, like navy, or or like a forest green, or like a pastel, some sort of Scandinavian pastel. Do not, oh my goodness, just paint that. Just paint that. That don't use like cheap paint that that was at Home Depot because it didn't sell. It didn't sell for a fucking reason. Okay, paint your paint your studio, and that's like a one time thing. You do it. It's fairly cheap. You just paint. It's just a lot of labor. <clears throat> not even that much labor. Okay. Uh, Number two, I already said decluttering, throwing things away. 
toys are cool. I have a lot of toys. I have like a lot of manga, for example. Um, I have a lot of like figurines from anime that I really like. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, I have like Elmo and Big Bird over here as well as Joe Dart Bobblehead from Wolfpack. Uh, I even have like, I build mechanical keyboards. So I have like a mechanical keyboard over here, a couple mechanical keyboards on my desk shelf. Um, I have toys. I like toys, but with a proper use of space, uh, I think toys can bring accents and can kind of bring a vibe, but throw things away, uh, put things away. Um, I've done this multiple times because I've moved studios multiple times and there's a lot of things that stay in the storage boxes that don't come out. I'm trying to be, and I, I think I'm going to declutter again with this next redesign here where I'm going to remove, or at least I'm going to add a little corner shelf back here. If you're watching on YouTube, a little corner shelf, and I'm going to move my toys from my desk to my corner shelf so I can have an accented corner while leaving my desk a little bit more decluttered. That's the, that's the hope there. And I think that that's really important. Uh, number three is Pinterest, the power of Pinterest. Now, this is something that um, a lot of people use. So if you aren't already using Pinterest, Pinterest is a very powerful app. I like it a lot. There's been times in my life where I use Pinterest more than any other social media. And it's not even the social media. Um, and you can build boards. It's, it's basically like a digital um, cork board that you gather pictures and videos of it's like it's just an inspiration cork boards and you can have different inspirational boards and you can pin different pictures to them um, i've used this a lot for interior design i'm not an interior designer by any mean but um as i've designed different studios and offices i i steal inspiration from other studios that i really like and it comes together in my own way based on my preferences. So I'm, I'm not copying somebody else's, but I'm taking heavy inspiration from specific ones. But it's not... Um, anyway, so using a Pinterest for inspiration, I think that's also really important to help you figure out what your personal flavors are, your personal um, color scheme and designs that you really like, your accents. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But to have a clear vision... One of the things that I don't think you should do is just redesign your space or design your space without having a clear, clear inspiration or a clear collage of ideas that you have. To, I think that this is almost mandatory. Very few savants can do that. Like, I don't think anyone can be creative and stay organized on a blank canvas without a shit ton of experience. And none of us listening to this podcast are professional interior designers. If we were... I don't know why you're doing music. All right. <clears throat> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, there's, there's a, that is like really important. So again, the importance of uh, Pinterest or organization of, you know, it's okay if you like purple or if you like Gundam, but you don't like whatever. Some people like a closey, more griefy, greeny, leafy aesthetic, um, things of that nature. So whatever it's it's important to choose inspiration based on your personal flavors and if you can go into your board that you've created and start deleting the ones that you like less you can really hone in and be specific with your preferences which um the last point that we're going to talk about is the distinction and the more specific of an aesthetic it is the better it is um but the next thing that i want to talk about is really important this is a big one for me and this should be a big one for you. This is something that everyone should be working on constantly. It's fairly cheap to do. It just takes some planning and um, quite a lit quite a bit of uh, labor. And there's a bunch of tools on Amazon to do this, which is cable management. 
I'm going to say that again with your desk, cable management. This is a big deal within like the tech remote work kind of industry. If you ha- if you work from home, um, if you code, you know, uh, cable management is important. I'm going to tell you this right now. Like I've seen, we are always constantly posting our setups on whatever website or forums on Discord, on Instagram. I, I think the number one indicator of whether or not I think something looks uh, professional is cable organization, like cable management. If I can see a single fucking power cable, it just throws off the entire vibe and looks less well thought out. It looks less thought out. That's what it is. If you can get away with making it everything look wireless, hiding cables, clipping them underneath the desk, using some sort of cable box behind the desk, screwing them in, um, using some like three end tape and taping them on the, down the back of the uh, the table leg so it's always hidden. You get a rug and you hide the cable under the rug. Um, if you can make, if you if you can somehow get away with doing less cables, or I've seen studios where they only have one thick cable where they have like uh, some sort of like uh, wrap around the cable. So you have like 10 cables, but it's wrapped to make look like one thick cable and that one thick cable is just going across to the desk. Um, so you minimize the amount of cables that it looks. It looks so professional. It looks so well thought out. Um, and it, like, I don't, I can't, like if you have a monitor and some audio, uh, like studio monitors and some headphones, but it's just like a shit ton of cables underneath the desk, below the desk, and it's just a mess. Um, it's almost metaphorical. I'm, I'm, I don't know what it is. It's, it feels metaphorical. If it's, I feel like it's like, it feels like an insight into the way someone thinks. So you just mess it up in the back, but you make the front look perspective, uh, respectable. Like that's, that's just, um, it's okay if the back looks messy, but you just got to hide it. You know, look at some of the best studios on, uh, on Pinterest or on Instagram, the cleanest looking ones always have great cable management. So again, with $15, you can get like a 195 piece Amazon cable management set. You can get some cable, uh, hiding boxes that you can screw in for cheap or like do some 3M tape. Anyway, um, cable management is important. Something that constantly needs to be tweaked, especially as you add more gear. Um, and a lot of studio desks, if you are considering buying a desk for your studio, Many, many studio desks come with some sort of cable management systems where you can hide cables underneath. Um, So that's just important. Keep them off the floor or hide them behind legs or something like that. Very big. Um, Last thing is lighting. This is more, this is more important for if you're taking videos like I am, like I have a lighting setup that is uh, conducive to good lighting for when I live stream and make YouTube videos. This is, I have to do very little color adjustment. It's very easy. It looks purple in the background, except it's uh, light on my face. You can see, it, so it's just very conducive to that. But lighting as well as like color schemes. Um, some people go as far as uh, going into, there's a lot of like psychology-based stuff, like different colors tend to provoke different emotions in different people. I don't know what they are. I don't care for it. I just like the color purple, but apparently purple pisses people off the most. I don't know. I don't care. Um, I like, you, you got to like what you like. You got to be pretty clear about it. Um, and having good lighting in the studio, keeping it vibrant. If you like vibrant, if you like it really dark, um, 
Yeah, whatever it is with LEDs, with with light setups. There's um, I've seen like RGB different types of setups. And the cool thing about any sort of like Grovey RBG type setup is that you can change the color scheme and you can even change the warmth of the white, make it more yellow or make it more daylight, uh, make it more blue, things of that nature. Okay, the last thing is to have a distinct style. Now, this is a metaphor into anything creative, including mixing. At the end of the day, as a mixer, you want the job is to not be noticed. Like if you a good mix, nobody will think about the mix. They'll just listen to the song, right? And with the studio setup, um, but at the same time, like also a great mix, you have a maybe you have like a like you come to that conclusion you come to that mix based off of your personal filters and biases that you naturally create from your taste these this is that's more of kind of like an inevitable thing but if you can utilize that to create more of a brand even better for you the more distinct of a preference that you have the more specific you have some people really like steampunk some people really like disney some people really like Jordans and Nike. Some people are hype beasts. Some people are childish. Some people love fuck it. Some people love Pokemon, you know, like Lou. And I think more importantly is to, if you have a distinct style, um, whatever that is that you find and describe and come to terms with through inspiration boards like Pinterest, through saving things on Instagram, things of that nature. Um, the more clear you are with your branding and your styling, this goes into heavily into our marketing episodes that we've done in the in the past about avatars and knowing who your customer is. For example, um, if you are trying to be a hip hop studio, you want to make hip hop music. It's probably not a good idea to just do a bunch of Barbie stuff everywhere, right? But if you are a studio that is um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, some weird, unique way. If you really, really, really like Barbies uh, and you're trying, I don't know, that's not a good example. But there's different different ideas and aesthetics that can attract different crowds. That's all I'm going to say. And if you are able to use your own preference, like you wouldn't want to attract hip-hop clients if you don't actually like hip-hop. So if you like hip-hop culture, then you'll probably like sneakers. You probably like different uh, hype beast fashion brands and things of that nature. So that would fit well. So I think that this will be natural, um, but I think you should also consider doing things on purpose. Um, again, whatever that means, it's okay to be different, even if you are hip-hop. I know a couple hip-hop studios. One hip-hop studio that does a lot of hip-hop and Afro beats um, but it's like a total steampunk vibe, you know, um, because that's what the engineer really likes and it works really well. It's, it's very conducive to that. So just something to think about, uh, put in your own personal flavor, your own personal tastes and to be specific, don't be afraid to use your own personal taste, but also do consider your customers, your clientele and who you want to bring into the studio, what kind of clients you want to attract. Um, because whether or not whether or not you do it on purpose, you are building a personal brand. So might as well do it on purpose. That is one of our biggest things that we always say on this podcast. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. It's pretty clear. I care for my space. I'm sure you do. And as we all continue to go through different cycles and evolutions of our recording, mixing, studio spaces, our creative spaces that we continue to upgrade and not just change. We, and we also upgrade our thinking, our processes, our, cre our artistic, artistic um, personalities and direction processes. 
Um, I hope we continue to upgrade them for better efficiency and for more clarity. And as we get more focused, I'm sure that there will be more focused experience and focused clientele as well. So these are things that have been on my mind. Again, cable management is huge. Please, please take care of your cables. I'm always trying to hide mine. I can't. It's it's a difficult one, but it takes time. It takes time, but it's really, really helpful. And on that note, um, if you want more technical tips, like how to use a compressor, how to use an EQ, how to change up a kick drum, how to make the kick drum and bass balance, I don't know, whatever, phase, overheads, uh, linear phase EQs, um, drum triggering, things of that nature, go to mixingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive to get two exclusive episodes every single week. Me and James from James Dean Mixes, uh, me and James, we go over YouTube clips, live stream clips, Instagram tick clips, TikTok clips, and we talk about the nuances of different technical tips from various different uh, producers and engineers, and we break them down and simplify them and explain them in a way that works best to uh, start including into your own workflow. And, and there's even a few episodes where I'm like, I've never tried that. That's going to be my emphasis this week as I try to do that. So it, it's fun. Like it's a very honest, fun, and it's just the two of us. And it's because it's behind a paywall and not everybody's going to listen to it. Uh, I have to put a little bit of an acting, you know, like I, I fan bait a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I piss people off on purpose, but on the, uh, the exclusive stuff, since it's a lot more uh, private, uh, we get like the real DK um, the real D- James kind of, uh, behind the scenes. So it's a lot more fun. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, on that note, so again, once again, that's mixingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive for $4 a month or $40 a year. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you have some other topics that you do want to hear, join our discord and type them into the chat, tag me or Lou, um, or James, if you want more exclusive episode stuff. And, uh, on that note, happy mixing my friends and stay saucy.